It's Wednesday, May 30th, and this is The Daily Dive. After Roseanne Barr tweeted out a racist and insensitive comment about former Obama aide Valerie Jarrett, ABC was quick to cancel her newly revived show Roseanne, which had just been picked up for a second season. My producer Miranda Moreno will join me to discuss the fallout and what's at stake in the cancellation of ABC's highest rated and most watched series of the broadcast season. Also, as the Atlantic hurricane season quickly approaches, a new study is shedding more light on just how devastating Hurricane Maria was for Puerto Rico. The government's death toll stood at 64, but a study from Harvard put the number at more than 5,000 dead. BuzzFeed News reporter Nidhi Prakash will join us to discuss how this new number came to be. Finally, we will speak to USA Today tech columnist Jefferson Graham to find out how we can listen to what Alexa has secretly recorded in your home. Alexa is always listening to you, and it was confirmed after a Portland family's private conversation was recorded and sent to a random contact. We'll tell you how it happened and how to avoid it. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. First of all, I think we have to turn it into a teaching moment. I'm fine. I'm worried about all the people out there who don't have a circle of friends and followers who come right to their defense. The person who's walking down the street minding their own business and they see somebody cling to their purse or want to cross the street. Or every black parent I know who has a boy who has to sit down and have a conversation, the talk as we call it, and those, as you say, those ordinary examples of racism that happen every single day. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda Moreno. Thank you for joining us, Miranda. Hey, Oscar. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit more about ABC's decision to cancel Roseanne after she sent out a horrible tweet about Valerie Jarrett, a former aide to President Obama. Let's start off there. What did she say in the tweet? And then we can dissect it after that. Roseanne sent this tweet out. What she said was in response to someone talking about Valerie Jarrett covering up a lot of stuff for President Obama. She wrote the Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby, Valerie Jarrett. Or She wrote VJ, but that's what it stood for. Right. And everybody went haywire over it. Stupid tweet. Totally mean. Unnecessary. And uh, ABC came in with some swift reaction. It happened overnight. But in, uh, once the morning came in a matter of hours... They decided to cancel the show. So what did uh, what did ABC have to react? What did they say about all that? ABC called the tweet egregious, abhorrent, disgusting, and they said that they will not be renewing her contract for the second season. Not just hers, but the whole cast. The whole entire show is canceled. And this was after Wanda Sykes, who was a consulting producer for the show, said that she would not be returning to the next season. And you're right. They had just uh, announced that they were re- uh, renewing this for the second season. Two weeks ago. It was a hit. ABC had reported that it was the highest rated and most watched series of the broadcast season. It was kind of an unexpected hit. Nobody really knew what was going to come of it. She was going to be a Trump supporter in the show. Uh, she is off the show as well, Roseanne Barr. But in the show, it threw in that new angle. I know a lot of people were already hesitant to want to support it just because of that. But it was a hit. It was, you know, I saw a few episodes. There were some funny jokes in there. But this tweet goes one step too far. And we were talking about this uh, off air. Uh, you know, this is going to cost them a lot of money. There was a this cancellation is going to cost them millions of dollars. Twenty two point seven million dollars to be exact, Oscar. That's the amount that the network ABC had booked in advertising revenue for the next nine episodes of the show. Right. All the networks always do these things called upfronts where they're going to pitch the next season that's going to come up on their shows. Everybody was really pushing the success of the first season of Roseanne to, hey, come invest more money with us. And like you said, 
you know, just on ad revenue alone, projected ad revenue, they're already losing $22.7 million. So what else is at stake? Roseanne was dropped by her talent agency, ICM. They're no longer going to represent her. And Viacom also announced that their cable networks, Paramount, TV Land, CMT, they will not be running the syndicated reruns of the show anymore. And have we heard anything more from uh, cast and crew? I know you mentioned Wanda Sykes, but there's a lot of other people that have, you know, they're losing their jobs because of this. Yeah. Wanda Sykes tweeted that she will no longer be working with the show. Emma Kenny, she played uh, the granddaughter Harris. She's also on the show Shameless on Showtime. And she tweeted out that as she was calling her manager to say she didn't want to work on the show anymore. She was told that they had been canceled. Uh, Michael Fishman, who played the son DJ, wrote a very long post on Twitter about how this is a very difficult time for his life. He's devastated because he grew up on the show and uh, he's he's going to miss being a part of it. But he thinks that this was the best move to make. And Sarah Gilbert also kind of led the charge very early Tuesday morning um, before the show had even been canceled, saying that she is not in line with these views, that they're very sick and disgusting. And she's very disappointed as well. You know, a curious question always comes up. Well, who's going to be the next network to pick her up? Obviously, there's still a high demand for wanting to watch the show, but it's going to make it more difficult when some of the actors are coming out so vocally. You know, if uh, one of the main characters is already saying, I don't want to work with her, I don't want to work on the show, that forces a lot of rewrites, a lot of changes to the structure of the show. So I know a lot of people were tweeting, Fox, pick it up, somebody else, pick it up. Do you think somebody would do that? I mean, I don't know, Oscar. ABC knew what they were getting. When they hired Roseanne, her history of being kind of cuckoo on Twitter is not anything new. It's not a revelation. ABC knew that she was a wild card. She kind of had some racist or conspiracy theory leanings. Uh, she's tweeted about Pizzagate, George Soros, all these kind of things. There, was, this- a, there was a ton of that recently. Uh, even the Parkland uh, shooting survivors, uh, David Hogg, she said he was doing a Nazi salute at one of the marches or something she, like That's that. one of her favorite yeah. go-tos is to accuse people who disagree with her of being Nazis. All this proved on Tuesday was that Roseanne was uncontrollable and that she proved to be way more of a liability than they ever expected because even if ABC didn't cancel this, the advertisers were already threatening to pull out. This would have been a show that had no commercials. Right. It's just a year ago that they announced that this was going to come back. And so in a span of a year, Roseanne kind of ruined it all. She did it to herself. Um, but even this very tweet about Valerie Jarrett started after interacting with people because of conspiracy theories. It had to do with the, the George Soros thing and, yes. and talking about he's a Nazi and, and Chelsea Clinton is married to one of his nephews, which right. isn't true. And, and it was just somebody else that said, hey, by the way, Valerie Jarrett's hiding a bunch of stuff. Boom. Then comes a tweet. They it's baited like her. She couldn't. I mean, they baited her or she was just listening to all the conspiracy theories, but she couldn't contain herself. It was just something that that came out. But it also begs the question about First Amendment rights, free speech, private companies, which ABC is. They can reserve the right to fire you for anything that's inconsistent with what they what they put out there and what they believe. Basically, anybody who's not a government employee can be fired or retaliated against for any kind of political opinion, anything. They can be fired for it because freedom of speech does not guarantee you a job unless you're a government employee because you're not allowed to be retaliated by the government. And that's where it is a little bit tricky. But companies don't want to deal with this. Starbucks, another example, in response to a lot of stuff that was going on in in their stores, they just had they closed all the stores for uh, racial bias training. You know, that was direct response to something that these companies don't want to deal with. They want to fix it. They want to nip it in the bud. and, And it just brings on more problems, bad publicity. And they just don't want to deal with it. 
especially if you're the kind of person who likes to put your workplace in any of your social media bios. I don't think it would have helped, but I mean, that's why you always see people say, my tweets are my own opinion. They're not representative of whatever company I work for, or, you know, newspaper I write for. This is my personal Twitter page. I don't think this would have saved her in this case, just because the, the tweet was so horrible, but you have to watch out what you're doing. I guess what's going to happen with Roseanne remains to be seen. I guess we'll have to wait and see if she'll ever work again or will she get picked up by a Netflix? She's probably going to have to lay down low for a little while, a little while. All right. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you, Oscar. It just feels like yesterday when we had to go rescue over 2,000 people that were on top of the rooftops because uh, the whole area was flooded, or when we had to go midway through the island to warn of a possible dam break because there was no way to communicate, so we had to personally go over there. But it's highly frustrating. Uh, the energy rebuild has been the most frustrating part. Joining us now is Needy Prakash, BuzzFeed News reporter. Thank you very much for joining us, Needy. Thanks for having me, Oscar. So we got a new report published in the New England Journal of Medicine. It was done out of Harvard. We found out a a new number for deaths in uh, Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Atlantic hurricane season is beginning on June 1st, coming up very soon. The original number of people they thought had died during the hurricane was 64, a very, very low number considering everything we saw coming out of their video, pictures, everything, reports on the ground. What is the new number And how did Harvard come to this number? Right. So, Oscar, the number that they've landed on is 5,740 people who they're estimating died after the hurricane. And that is more than 70 times higher than what the official government toll was, as you mentioned, 64, which hasn't been updated since December. So this report that came out on Tuesday, basically what they did was they surveyed more than 3,000 households. So that was added up to nearly 10,000 people in total. And so basically with those results, they asked people about people in their households who had died, how they had died, and also asked them about the conditions that they'd been living with, which, as you mentioned, uh, many people were without electricity, without water, and I think quite crucially as well, without medical care for weeks and sometimes even months after the hurricane. So basically, after they conducted the survey, uh, they were able to compare the rate that they came up with, with the death rate from the previous year. And they found that there were 4,645 excess deaths last year after the hurricane up to December 31st. And then on top of that, they basically adjusted for the fact that with their survey, they obviously weren't able to survey people who were in single family households. So if it was one person living in a household who had died, they obviously were not going to be able to survey that person. So that led them to the final number that they came up with, which was 5,740. Yeah, BuzzFeed News has been reporting on this, you know, since the hurricane happened. And it kind of underscores something that many people were saying all along everybody's forgetting about Puerto Rico and the people there. And one of the things that came out was the Department of Public Safety said that they weren't using any specific guidelines for deciding who was counted as a hurricane-related death. And, you know, I I just can't imagine that not being one of the most important things. You should create a specific set of guidelines so you know exactly how to count. 
Right. I mean, that's definitely part of the confusion that I encountered on the ground there. I mean, when I was doing my initial reporting in October, I basically started looking at the death toll because I was hearing from people in towns that they had relatives, that they'd heard people heard of people in their community that had died and were not being counted. So I went to funeral homes and the funeral home directors told me that they had been given no guidance on what to include and what not to include, that they had people who had come through and it was very clear that they had died because, you know, they didn't have electricity to run their oxygen machine or because they didn't have diabetes medication stored in a refrigerator. There were basically these people falling through the cracks and there was no guidance that was put out to people who handle death in this kind of situation. Right. It wasn't necessarily uh, they perished from a flood or people have said, you know, a tree falling on a house or something like Mm -hmm. that. This was about lack of services because of the hurricane, because people couldn't get access to these things. Right, exactly. So in this latest survey, what they found is that about 10% of the final number that they came up with, 10% of those people had died directly during the storm of things like, as you said, trees falling on, on houses, that kind of thing. And then another third of people had died because they didn't have access to medical care. Have there been any official uh, responses from the governor of Puerto Rico or anybody else? So this morning, the governor actually held a press conference on an unrelated conference that he was having in San Juan to talk about disaster preparedness. As part of that press conference, some questions came up about this study. And so in response to that, he did acknowledge the study and he said, all studies are welcome. So just to backtrack a little bit as well, he did commission an independent study in February from George Washington University to look into the death toll. And that was After months and months of his administration saying that they had it under control, that their death toll was accurate. So it was a bit of a turnaround then. And certainly today to hear him say that their system, what he said was the protocol was subpar that they had in place. And that is an admission that I had not heard from them up until this point, despite all of these reports that I and other reporters have been putting out for months. Right. I, I also saw the director of Puerto Rico's Department for Public Safety almost downplay the study a little bit. They said it was a survey, not a scientific study. We're waiting for the George Washington University thing. You know, this was just a a survey. You guys also spoke to a professor who had done work after Hurricane Katrina, and they said that this survey, this method was very sound. I mean, we should take it for what they say as being a little more accurate, at least in those 64 original counts. That's right, exactly. I mean, talking to uh, that professor, he you know has experience specifically studying this, and he did have a look at this study and said that, yes, this is exactly the methodology that he would have used, in fact. It's probably the closest that we can get right now, given some of the restrictions that are still on the ground in Puerto Rico with getting around and getting information. The governor also said, you know, there's no logical explanation for them wanting to suppress the numbers, but learning from this that this death count was so much higher... Why is it important? What can we learn from this? So I think definitely that one of the measures that we use in deciding, you know, in, in I guess, getting a sense for how bad really disasters were, if we want to put it that way, is the death toll. I mean, and there are lots of other measures as well in terms of property lost and jobs lost and that kind of thing. But certainly like loss of life is a pretty major indicator of how bad things are. And I think with some of the controversy that come, that's come up around the response to the hurricane, that's where it starts to really matter how much of a, you know, what magnitude we really see this disaster being. All right, Nidhi Prakash, a BuzzFeed News reporter, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much. They have absolutely no right 
to listen and record my conversations and randomly send them to people in my address book. I mean, it's just, it's unheard of. Joining us now is Jefferson Graham, tech columnist for USA Today and host of the Talking Tech podcast. So everybody's worst nightmare came true. Last week, we found out that a uh, Portland family's conversations was being recorded by their digital assistant, their Alexa, and they sent off some portion of a conversation to somebody in their contacts list. In a little bit, you're going to tell us how we can find out what Alexa is actually recording from us. But let's start with that story real quick. What happened in that Portland case? It was one of those things that Amazon says it shouldn't have happened, but of course it was going to happen. The, the thing to remember is that this family did the call feature on the Amazon Echo where you can use the speaker to call people in your contact list. Well, guess what happened? You set that up and every phone call is recorded and then can be shared with your friends. I don't think that's what they were thinking when they said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we used our, our speaker to make calls? You know, there's a lot of things. You can make calls on your computer. You can make calls on your phone. You can make calls on your speakers. You can make calls on your TV. This is one thing that didn't need to happen. And the upshot of this is that I spent yesterday, you know, wonder how many things they've ever recorded to me. So I went into the Amazon Alexa app, which I shouldn't have said out loud because Okay, good. good. Um, <laughs> it's going to pick you up anytime you say it. Right. I went into the app and checked my history where I found every recording they'd ever made of me for two and a half years Wow. were in the app. And I'm not just talking about when you're giving a command to play a song, ask it what the weather is, stop, turn up the volume, you know, stuff like that. It's also when it came up in conversation, if I said, well, Oscar, I did an article today about Amazon Alexa, and I said it was weird and crazy and nutty. That whole thing was recorded. So every phrase, every time that it falls into a sentence where you're not asking it a question, it's recorded and archived by Amazon. In this, in this, that's weird. Yeah, in this Portland's case, Amazon released a statement saying that it went through this weird. It asked back and forth, you know, do you want to confirm this? Do you want to send it to this proper person? So the Alexa actually interpreted a bunch of things. It it's it thought it heard you say send message to whom. Then it asked a context name and it said right. And it was like this big long conversation that this family was having. Un, you know, and unbeknownst to them, Alexa was asking them questions back and as if it was interacting with them. And this family right. and this family in particular, you know, they had I think they said they had five different echo dots positioned around their whole house. So, I mean, there's potentially that they can be talking anywhere and it's asking all these random questions back of them. And that's kind of how this happened. They, uh, Amazon says it was completely random. But like you said, even in your article, you were writing, you know, a how it picked up some conversations that you had with your wife and it can hear something seemingly sounding like Alexa. Maybe you're saying my friend Alexis or something and it's all picking this up. Right. Every time you say the word. Now there are four wake words. As you know, there's the Alexa computer echo and Amazon. I would recommend people change the word to echo because I don't think echo is going to end up in normal conversation. If you're really concerned, unplug it. But I think this is one of those stories that people say, oh, no, this is terrible. I can't believe it. And then they go on using it again. <laughs> and they'll <laughs> right. use it every day. But, but if you really are concerned, change the word to echo. The default is those four words, and then you can just change it to just have it as one word. 
Well, you could change your wake word to mm. one of those words. Gotcha. Then how do we find out exactly what they have recorded of us? Go into the app, to the Alexa app on your smartphone, go to settings, then history. And in history, they have archived every recording they've made of you. And you can also get there on the Amazon website, which would probably be easier. I have the link in my article on usaday.com. And you can delete all. You can delete every one of those sound files. Now, it begs the question, does that mean they're deleted from Amazon servers? Amazon would tell you yes, and I don't believe it. Why does Amazon say that they keep those recordings? It helps them learn, make the speaker more useful. And does Google and Apple, I know they have a digital system. Well, Apple, do, Apple does not record you. Okay. So there's that. Google, I've got to look into that because uh, I think that's the next follow-up. What does Google Home know about me? Wow, that's crazy. All right, so disable it or don't enable phone calling on the Alexa. Quick ways so that you're not sending stuff erroneously to well, contacts. Don't set up the, first of all, don't be a fool. Yeah. Don't set up the calls feature. Calls is an accident waiting to happen. So if you don't set, set up the calls feature, it's not going to send recordings of you to somebody else. But it is always listening, and it is still recording. Well, it is always listening. Even if you don't give it a command, it hears every time you say that word and will record you every time that you said that word. So if you said President Trump uses Alexa to make the commands and blah, 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 and just some insane sentence, that's just been recorded. Wow. I wonder how many times people's uh, Alexas have been going crazy since if they're listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know mine is wrong five times. Oh, man. All right. Jefferson Graham, a tech columnist for USA Today, host of the Talking Tech podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Okay, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love the feedback, so don't forget to leave us a comment and give us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.